The Porsche Podcast. Welcome to a new episode of the Porsche Podcast. My name is Sebastian Rudolph, and I'm Vice President Communications, Sustainability and Politics at Porsche. With this audio magazine, we would like to share an insight into the world of Porsche and deal with some exciting issues. We set up our podcast studio today in the Porsche Museum in Stuttgart-Suffenhausen, and our view looks out over the Porsche Platz and the Porsche sculpture which features three white 911 sports cars rising into the sky. It's all about sports in this episode. It's part of our DNA, and it's part of the DNA of two professional athletes. Golfer Paul Casey and works driver Kevin Estre. Together, we'll talk about the beginnings of their careers and how rocky the road was from rookie to professional. What does it take to fulfill the dream of becoming a professional athlete? Paul and Kevin are joining us via video call from Arizona in the US and Hoogst in Austria. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Paul. Good to have you in the show. Sebastian, thank you. Thank you. Good to have us here. Before we dive straight into the world of sport, let's briefly introduce our two guests. Paul Casey was born in 1977 in Cheltenham, England. For around two decades, he has been one of the world's top golfers. In his debut year on the European Tour 2000, he made it into the top 25 overall rankings, earning him the Sir Henry Cotton Rookie of the Year Award. The Englishman who lives in Scottsdale, Arizona, made it to the world number three and has won the Ryder Cup with the European team in three occasions. He won 20 professional tournaments so far is an ambassador for UNICEF and a brand ambassador for Porsche since 2020. Kevin Estre was born in Lyon, France, in 1988. Contesting his first season as a Porsche works driver in 2016, he has come full circle. The Frenchman honed his craft as a racing driver in the Porsche One Make series in France and Germany. After netting two junior classification titles, he finally took home the Carrera Cup France trophy in 2011. After switching to the Carrera Cup Deutschland the following year, he immediately scored a victory and ultimately clinched Rookie of the Year honors. In 2018, Estre celebrated one of his greatest achievements so far, victory at his home race at Le Mans. At the wheel of the Porsche 911 RSR and the 911 GT3 R, He repeatedly demonstrates his racing talent and has so far taken first place twice this year. Kevin, we just heard a victory at the 24 Hours at Le Mans, which is amazing. Please tell us, how did you get into motorsport? Oh, it's a family thing. My grandfather and father were racing in go-karts. They started in the late 70s. I was born, let's say, on the racetrack almost. And I started very early. I got a go-kart when I was four years old. And then I did some testing, started then uh, races when I was 10. And then went through the championship at first national championship in France in go-kart, then international championship. And then my big dream was always Formula One when I was a kid. 
So I started to follow that path and uh, go to single-seater, two years of single-seaters in France, which were quite successful, but not enough to move the next step, which was Formula 3. So then I had to look a bit around and I had an opportunity in the Porsche Carrera Cup France. And that's where I moved away from the single-seater, went into GT racing and was quite successful. And it brought me where I am now. You said you were born on the racetrack, literally. But how rocky was the road to become a professional works driver? It's very difficult, you know. It's the dream of many, many kids and young drivers to be a professional driver of Formula One or endurance racing. But it requests a lot of sacrifices, a lot of luck, some talents, of course, but you need a lot of stuff around it. Sacrifices from the family because you are like every sport, a lot, you know, on the road. You don't really have a social life from, let's say, very young age to the moment where you become professional. Finding sponsors, having good results. You have some up and down in your career. And if you hit the down part in the moment where people are looking at you, that's bad. So it's difficult. You need a lot of luck, but also, yeah, be there every time. Never give up and trying to get the result at the right time, at the right moment, at the right race where maybe later in my career where Porsche decider, you know, um, were looking at young drivers driving in the Carrera Cup and there I did well. And um, yeah, somehow at one point I got a call. Are you free for this race? And I could join Porsche as a works driver. And it's, yeah, it's a special feeling. I'm, I'm really proud to be part of this huge company in motorsport. Let's pass the ball to Arizona. Paul, we heard you made it to third place in the world rankings, uh, which is awesome. How was life as a rookie and how bumpy was your road becoming a professional? It was, you know, golf. I think a little bit there's similarities here with Kevin. You know, it's rocky because an individual sport, you know, this is totally up to you. And, you know, luckily there's very little politics in our sport. Uh, there's no team manager or owner or something deciding who gets to play and who doesn't. But the road is incredibly rocky. Every time I teared up on the golf course, I have to try to deliver. And obviously that doesn't always happen. You know, golf is predominantly a, about kind of failures. You know, very rarely do you succeed. Very rarely do you conquer the golf course and have, you really never have the perfect round. So there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of setbacks in golf. And the road is extremely rocky and it's littered with amazing talent. Thousands of young golfers who have this dream of succeeding, like any sport, but it's challenging. And so there are times, you know, like any athlete who's made it, you look back and I can think of all the sacrifices my parents made, my family made, and the time I spent away from friends and uh, missed out on cool events and parties or whatever it was when you were a kid because you had to, you know, luckily that was my dream. But you spend the time at the golf course instead of, uh, you know, maybe being a teenager or something like this. But I truly believe that golf is one of those sports that if you, you know, talent is one of those things that we can all debate and you need a certain amount of skill. But I think if you work hard enough at golf and you believe and you do the right things, I really think if you have what it takes, you can make it. And that's, I guess, the beautiful thing about our sport. As I said, nobody can kind of determine your fate apart from yourself. Which is A great mindset, Paul. And uh, apart from talent, apart from sacrifices and uh, working hard to become better every day, what key qualities are crucial to becoming a professional? Golf is an interesting one. I mean, it's a, really, it's just a lot of determination. 
but being able to handle the ups and downs and especially the downs is the key thing. So um, being able to internally look at yourself and sometimes listen to criticism. I think every golfer I know on tour has a coach or teacher who will tell them what they need to continue to work on. And our sport is continuous work. So having the quality to sometimes listen to what you don't want to hear, it's just this eternal quest to try to get better and realizing that it's kind of ugly sometimes. It's just not enjoyable. The sport is like any business. Uh, to be honest, it's probably tougher than most other businesses I can think of because you are out there in the limelight, you're in the public view, and sometimes your disappointments and your failures are very public and be very, very hard to take. But it's this thing that you need to have. And I have, Kevin has, and everybody who's a, who's a top sportsman, athlete, professional in whatever sport they play in, they have that thing. And that's the thing that young people, if they're going to get into this industry, I think you can learn it. But a lot of it is kind of internal wiring to a certain degree. That's interesting. So sports rookies have their dreams and so do professionals. And fulfilling these dreams is an ambition. Kevin, what is the dream or your dream as a race driver? Well, my dream is to drive as long as possible. And, you know, hopefully I will be fast still a, a few years and drive as long as possible in top category. But ultimately would be for me, my main dream is winning Le Mans overall, the 24 hours Le Mans overall. I won in my class in GT Pro, which was my dream, let's say, on a close future. But uh, for my career, I really want to win this race at least once overall. And it's very hard to get because you have to get in the right car, the right year. At first, you need the opportunity, which is not easy. So far, I didn't get it. I hope I'll get it once, but if I get it, then you need to be in the right car in the right year, having the right teammates. Everything has to be perfect. To win this race, you really, really need to yeah, to have everything aligned uh, that Le Mans wants you to win. You know, it's not just on you. It has a lot of small details, a lot of factors, and it's one of the biggest races in the world. So for me, this would be my main goals in the future and, and for my whole motorsport career. And what about you, Paul? For us, our world evolves around the four majors. So we have the Masters, the Open, the US Open, and then the US PGA. But within that, selfishly, for me, the most iconic and most important event for me is the Open or the British Open, um, depending on its name is words are irrelevant. Being a, a British-born player, uh, it's the oldest championship we play for. It's the claret jug. It's the history You know, like Le Mans, it's this fabric of your sport that you want to have your name alongside the greats. And so, you know, too, there's a little bit of luck that's involved in that because the Open is always played on Lynx courses in the UK. So there's weather factors and over the course of four days, sometimes you need a little bit of luck. But I've come close. I mean, I finished third is the best I finished at the Open so far. It probably doesn't suit my game as well, which is why it makes it even more enticing and even more of a dream for me because there are other tournaments where that suit my style of play and the Open doesn't. So for me, the Open, that's the one. We'll talk more about you personally, but first let's listen to a few facts related to Porsche. Porsche in sports. The DNA of the Porsche brand lies in sport. This is the drive and motor of the company's commitment. 
As the world's sportiest car brand, the company builds bridges from professional sport to the wider world and to youth development in sport. For years, Porsche has supported the youth work of sports clubs with its Turbo for Talents program. Special attention is paid to school, sport and work balance. At the same time, the program promotes the development of young personalities and teaches social aspects and values. These include team spirit, fairness, passion and respect. Porsche and Golf The Porsche European Open is a golf tournament on the European Tour and was founded in 1978. The role as title sponsor has been a central and successful component of Porsche's golf commitment since 2015. The Porsche Nord course in the Hamburg city region has been the tournament venue since 2017. Porsche is also active on the Club de Golf del Canada course in Mallorca, which is also the venue for the Porsche Golf Club World Final. The exclusive amateur customer tournament series has existed since 1988 and is organized by Porsche. Porsche and Motorsports The 24 Hours of Le Mans is an endurance race for sports cars organized by the Automobile Club de l'Ouest near the French city of Le Mans. Porsche racing cars have been competing here since 1951. The reward for this incredible stamina is a raft of records, including 19 overall wins and 108 class victories. Porsche sees its long-standing commitment to motorsport, especially endurance racing, as part of its DNA. Endurance races are part of our DNA and the 24 Hours of Le Mans is one of the greatest, Kevin. This year, the 24 Hours will held in August. And what will these 24 Hours be like for a Porsche Works driver? Everybody wants to win. The one with the most pressure for all the drivers. Also for me, it will be, I guess, the only um, race at home in France. And it's part of the World Endurance Championship, the championship I'm doing, and it's double points. So it's the one you want to win for many reasons. And uh, last year we've been a bit unlucky there, but I think this year we have a good car, a strong lineup. Everything's been running well so far in the championship, so uh, we definitely have a chance. I hope we'll have a few spectators this year because this race is also about the show and yeah, the history and having the spectators very close and having sometime up to 300,000 people during the weekend, which is crazy for a race. Uh, yeah, just the atmosphere is something very important in Le Mans. We already started our preparation uh, a few weeks ago, being three days in Spain, training extra for Le Mans because the car has some specification, some different setup, and we need to work specifically just for that race. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, mid-August. And we keep our fingers crossed, Kevin. Pass the ball to Paul. Uh, you just successfully mastered the PGA Championship, tight fourth place. Congrats. Great result. And uh, Kevin talked about pressure going into an event. And um, some pressure is fruitful, some maybe not. How are you dealing with ambition and pressure and success or some bad days? I tend not to think about this anymore. I've been professional for so long. I guess the many tricks and tips, and it's just part of what I do. But there are, you know, I still get nervous. I still think about upcoming events. I try not to treat any event differently. You know, the USPGA, which is a major, compared to the Porsche European Open, which is next week, which I'll be defending, for me is no different in terms of how I prepare mentally. Physically, there might be a couple of 
shots that I need to work on. The conditions will be different. The course is obviously different. But in terms of pressure and dealing with, you know, what I want to try to accomplish during the week, this rarely changes, you know, and I'm trying to always find a nice sort of balance and not try to get too excited or too nervous or maybe even too calm, trying to find this happy kind of equilibrium. It's interesting because I think pressure is something you can basically train to handle. Everybody's different. Everybody reacts to that pressure very, very differently. It might be a physical thing that happens, a physical reaction. It might be a mental reaction. For me, most of that pressure comes before the event happens. It's this thinking about the first tee shot. It's thinking about something you can't control. That's, I guess that's almost stress. It's slightly different from pressure. But that's something that you learn to deal with. And then the real pressure for me and the one I'm most excited about is the pressure that I face coming down the stretch on the final few holes. Then can I deliver? Can I physically hit the shots that are required, make the decisions I need to make? But this is all just training. This isn't something that's this magical thing. This is no different from anybody else in any industry. Just mine happens to be hitting a golf ball. I'm able to deliver when the pressure seems to be higher rather than lower. So a major championship, a Ryder Cup, or the Porsche European Open on the final couple of holes, I kind of need this. You know, if Kevin and I went out and played golf right now, I wouldn't be very sharp. No, sorry, Kevin. You know, you need a little bit of something to kind of get you going. So you mean I, I would win? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> But what is interesting, and I can I ask Kevin a question? Sure, sure. Because, you know, for me, for me coming down the stretch, when I stand on the 18th tee and I need to make, let's say, just par, I need to hit the fairway, not hit it into the water or the trees and then stand up and hit it on the green. And so all these thoughts go through your mind. And Kevin, is this like the final lap at Le Mans? I think it's different there. That's why for me, golf is the hardest sport I've ever done. Every shot, you know, you, you have a long break or you have a break before you hit the ball and you have a lot of time to think actually. And a millimeter, you know, turning your wrist or something will make a huge difference. In other sports, it's not as much. And motorsport, let's say, It's the final lap, okay, but you're still driving. You know, you're driving since one hour or two hours and you have some kind of automatism. You just have to do exactly what you've done before. In golfing, it's never this. You have to do, you know, this hole, you have to hit it yeah. a bit to the left, use the driver. Everything is a little different. For us, I think the pressure is high before the race starts or before you jump in the car or before qualifying. But then as soon as you're in the car, you're fully focused and actually you're just doing what you know, what you used to do since many years, which is in the end the same than golf. But I think the fact that in golf, so many small details make a huge difference and you have a lot of time to think, I think makes these sports yeah. crazy, crazy difficult. It's so big, uh, big so respect. So Sebastian, we, see, we, we both get nervous before. It's the before, it's the thinking <laughs> yeah. about the future. That's yeah, the... For sure. When you're doing it, it's all good. And uh, did you know that there is a golf course next to the racetrack in Le Mans? And have you ever played it, Kevin? No, never. I know that there's one. Maybe this year. Could be because we have the test on Sunday. And then I guess we're not driving until Wednesday. So my teammates also like to play golf. So I might bring my club and, and go there. Would be nice. That's what we did actually before Spa. The first WC race, which we won in May. We had two days of testing and then one day free. We went golfing with my teammates. There's a nice golf in Spa. Nine holes. And then we won the race. So probably we have to do the same in Le Mans. And maybe one day Paul is 
accompanying you and playing some holes. And this would be really funny, I, I bet. Would be great. <laughs> Let's talk about family because both of you are family men. Has this family role changed your approach dealing with stress, dealing with preparations or lack of sleep, starting with you, Paul? Interestingly, I think it has changed me, yeah, in lots of ways. Partly, I think it helped give me more purpose for what I did. I now have two children and a wife, and I have them to play for in a fun way. Uh, it doesn't add pressure. I just enjoy this. But it changes my sometimes my time. You know, golf is a very time-consuming sport when I'm away and just as much when I'm home trying to practice. And, you know, you feel like you never have enough time to work on every aspect of the game. And so time management is, yeah, has become challenging. But in a weird way, I think it puts in perspective where, look, I, I've always lived, uh, golf is my life, but kids, my kids are now the most important thing in my life. So it's put this golf, which is in my life, in perspective. You have to choose, ultimately. And, and my family will always come first. And in a way, that's actually made me relax on the golf course. If the bad round happens, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to get a hug when I go home from the two kids and the wife. So, yeah, there are a lot of challenges that go with it. Um, it's not easy. I spend more than six months a year away, probably closer to seven months a year on the road. It can be lonely. It can be challenging for them. But the family thing is, for me, incredibly positive. And uh, during the tournaments, Paul, you have a partner called Caddy who's not only carrying the bag, but is an advisor, a supporter. Tell us more about this partnership and the importance during a tournament. The, the caddy I've got, a guy called uh, John, who lives in England, John McLaren. He's what you say, he's caddy, carries the bag, but it's so much more than that. We work together on the golf course, calculating and understanding what is required on each shot and trying to figure that out together. He's part uh, motivational speaker, psychologist, sometimes kind of coach to kind of, you know, you, you need to work on this. Um, he can be the kick that I need to kind of keep me straight sometimes, or even that the, the hand on the shoulder to sort of sometimes console you or calm you down. I mean, he, he and every caddy that is out there, they have so many hats that they wear. If you look back many years, the caddies were kind of, you know, they just picked up the golf bag and they walked the golf course and nobody really understood how much impact they had on the player. Now they are incredibly professional. Uh, he spends his life crunching statistics and data and analyzing golf courses. And we help figure out the schedule of where we should play based on um, that data that he's crunching. He calls up the statisticians and he's visiting the golf courses and he's doing all this work behind the scenes that nobody sees. And it genuinely, genuinely helps. And it makes a difference. You know, our sport over four days, 72 holes where you're hitting 270, 80 shots, it does come down to quarter of a shot a day, one shot over the course of four days. It does come down to that. And decisions that he makes with me or decisions he helps me make are the difference between sometimes winning and losing. So not only that, he's one of my best friends, which is cool that we get to travel the world and have fun, which I think is really, really important. He's the guy who sees me at my best and he sees me at my worst as well. Making a difference, Kevin, what role does your family play in, in your motorsport life? 
Yeah, let's say I was a bit scared because you hear, you know, always in motorsport, when you get a kid, you get three times slow up a lap, you know, so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my son is now 10 months. And the first race I've made was actually three days after he was born on the Nürburgring and I was still fast. So I was fine. You know, I was relaxed. <laughs> I think it's a bit the same than what Paul said is that when I'm driving, I'm fully focused. I don't think about anything else. You have to be fully focused and don't think about the rest. But uh, when you come out of the car or as Paul said, when you have a bad weekend, now I have something to get over it easier. You have your son, your wife at home, you'll be happier, you know, they will be happy to see you, you'll be happy to see them, spend some time with them, and you forget about the race very quickly then. But there's for sure some challenges with, as Paul said, the time you have at home, uh, you, you have to spend with the family and also training and preparing yourself for the race, which is now more challenging. And you try to find the right spot to do your own thing, but spend still some time with the family. And during the races, is the pit radio something to compare with the caddy role in golf? Yeah, it was interesting to listen about the caddy because I think the engineer is a bit our caddy. He's the guy that's on the radio, he's on the pit stands, he worked a lot towards the race. He worked during three weeks only about this race, uh, also about statistics, what do you need to be fast there? what will be the strategy with the weather, with tires. And then we are driving in the car. Of course, we are alone, but then he's there watching the monitor, seeing the lap time, watching the telemetry. So seeing exactly uh, live what you are doing in the car. So there's thousands of sensors in the car and he can see exactly what you are doing, what the car is doing, and maybe giving you some tips sometimes. Okay, in this corner, your teammate is doing something different. Just try, you know, break a bit later, coming quicker save some fuel, you know, so he's coaching you basically or helping you throughout the traffic during the run and also motivating you, you know, when you have a 20 second gap to the leader, your P2 and, you know, every lap he's telling you, okay, you gain three tenths this lap, keep pushing, you know, and, and this is important. Or you have a double stint to do, you start with the new tires, you put fast lap after fast lap and he comes on the radio and say, hey, calm down, you know, you have to keep your tires alive. So yeah, it's, I think he's sitting in the tent having the monitors and we are driving. Uh, so we are far away from each other, but in the end, very close with the radio. And there are a lot of messages during the race and it's a teamwork. You know, you, you have the engineer, you have the program manager, you have your teammate, which is also on the radio, sometimes helping you. And this is also kind of a coaching. So you have many people behind us, which help us driving. But in the end, we have to activate the throttle and, and steer the wheels. But there are a lot of uh, technique and radio calls behind to help us being faster. Now it's game time. I want to play a little quiz. And each of you gets a question about the other. So let's see who is the best possible athlete in this quiz. <laughs> we start with you, Paul. A question about Kevin. What color was the livery of the 9-11 RSR with which Kevin won the 24 hours of Le Mans as part of a trio of drivers? Was it Pink Pig, Red Horse, or Blue Elephant? Uh, I wish I had my... I have a coffee cup. I have a Pink Pig coffee cup which I have my coffee from every morning and I'm looking, I can see his video and I, I swear that's the pink pig livery behind him. Did you just show there, me the pink pig helmet? There, yeah. Yeah. 
So pink pig. I mean, it's one of my favorite liveries ever. So pink pig. Congrats. So there was a birdie for Paul and a point in this quiz. <laughs> yes, pink pig is right in memory of the pink 917 livery from the 70s. Butcher style meat cuts on the bodywork. Great. Kevin, now it's your turn. The question about Paul. Where did Paul's career start? On the European tour, the PGA tour, or the Asian tour? European tour? That yeah. was fast and <laughs> right. Good. So congrats <laughs> to this one. Pure race driver. <laughs> Let's move on to Kevin's driving style. What is he often said to do? Does he drive smoothly, aggressively, or traditionally? Um, I mean, smooth is fast. Did you say traditionally? Is that an option? <laughs> yeah. You have to explain that one to me. <laughs> stand um, up, stand up. It means leave I that guess. out, maybe. <laughs> um, I would say smooth. I mean, smooth is fast. Mm -mm. Or are you aggressive? You're an aggressive person. I don't think. At uh, the fringes and the ball uh, went in. So it was aggressively, right? Good. Good <laughs> shot, Paul. I'm not an aggressive person, but my driving style is, uh, let's say, more aggressive, is it aggressive? than aggressive? I didn't... Yeah. A little, ah. a little bit. <laughs> this worries me. This worries me if I ever, ever get in a car with Kevin. This worries me. <laughs> I think if I send you a video from my swing, you will feel that my, my issue might be too aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to question number two. Paul is the proud owner of several Porsche GT3 RS cars. How many does he own? Two, three, or five? I would say three. <laughs> that was fast. That was right. Again, congrats. So Kevin is... Answering ah. like driving aggressively and on the point. <laughs> This was luck. This was luck. <laughs> nice. It's Thanks. a, diff it's a diff difficult question because you never know what I uh, may have. I may have bought something last week. Exactly. Exactly. So. Congrats. Congrats. That's good to <laughs> own that. Paul, let's move on to the third and last question for you. How many races has Kevin competed in so far? Over a hundred? Over two hundred? or over 300 races is this professionally or as a because you know if we're counting from his karting career when he started when he was four <laughs> i mean <laughs> no, i think it's not professionally if that i mean he was in uh, 1988 i mean he's not old compared to me i think this would be since i'm driving a, a race car let's say i don't think it's professionally but hmm. since 2006 i would say I think Paul is on the right track, so continue years, and answer. 10 years, 20. Uh, so it's a long putt, but it's a birdie if you I mean, need over, it. Over in that period, over 300 would be a lot of races. But um, to be honest, I'm not sure I know it myself. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you have to help me uh, on that. <laughs> um I mean, it's over 200. I just don't know if it's over 300. Yeah, but... Um, is, there, is there like, you know, can I go with 250? <laughs> yeah, you wanted to say twice that it's over 300 at the end, you a little bit... So what was the answer? 300? Yeah. yeah. 
Well done. Yeah. So last question for, for <laughs> Kevin. Besides his car collection, Paul has another passion when it comes to collecting. What is it? Stamps, Nike Dunk sneakers, or vintage golf balls? Ah, the easiest thing would be the golf balls, but uh, I see some shoes around there. Yeah, I would say sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it behind. It was uh, it helped. Nice. Yeah, That's which cool. is good and true, and we were witnesses of true teamwork in this quiz. So. The outcome is three to three. You were very professionally competing and thanks for your answers. Thank you. So now it's your turn, dear listeners. You once again have the chance to win in this episode of our Porsche podcast. Porsche AG is giving away a Porsche golf cart bag. The competition will run from now until the release date of the next Porsche podcast episode. Simply send an email with your answer to our question to podcast at porsche.de. Porsche will choose the winner from all correct entries. Anyone aged 18 or older may take part. You can find the entry details in the Porsche newsroom at newsroom.porsche.com en podcasts, along with a few clues. Good luck. Now all that's missing is the question. What title? Do Paul Casey and Kevin Estre have in common? Simply send your answer by email to podcast at porsche.de. We are curious. Today's podcast episode is coming to an end and time has flown by. Paul and Kevin, thanks for your inspiring answers and the fun we had. But I have one final question and maybe start with Kevin. What advice would you give your younger self? So looking back 10 or 20 years when you were a rookie becoming a professional, what advice would have been key? Uh, I think would be uh, yeah, never give up, but this is kind of an obvious one. Not being too um, focused on one thing, you know, having a goal is very important. Uh, for me, it was Formula One since I was a kid. And I think to uh, open your mind earlier, the most important in the end for me was to be professional. And I was seeing Formula One as the only professional motorsport um, being a kid. And then I, yeah, I realized that endurance races is awesome. It's just uh, more than just racing cars fast around the track. Is There's a huge team behind you. You travel the world, drive awesome cars and have teammates. It's just a bit of a different sport. And maybe this would be one advice I would give is to maybe open my eyes and look at something different earlier. And the next one would be maybe be not so aggressive at some occasions. <laughs> Because <laughs> now it's, let's say, uh, people call it my driving style. But uh, now with the experience, I manage it a lot better than I used to do. And uh, I used to be definitely too aggressive and did some mistakes. But yeah, also it brought me to a better person and better athlete, better driver. So um, yeah, this would be the two things for sure. Never give up, open your mind, uh, look at different possibilities. And uh, for myself, be not too aggressive. Try sometimes to give a few tens back and make sure you finish the lap and um, enjoy. That's also very important. And what about you, Paul? Actually, what Kevin just said right at the end, which was the enjoyment. I wouldn't change my determination and how seriously I took my sport and how much 
pressure I put on myself and the sacrifices I made, I would never change that. I would never tell my younger self anything different, but I would tell myself to enjoy the successes and the journey more, you know, open my eyes a little bit more, be aware of, you know, how cool it is to play professional golf and to play the places I have and meet the people I have. And I think there was a time when I was young and you're so, you're just caught up and you're just go, 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 go constantly on planes and flying. And, and sometimes you didn't, not to sit back and reflect. I'm not even doing that now. That's something I want to do when I retire, but to just understand how cool it is, smile a little bit more, engage with the fans a little bit more. And um, that's really it. Just enjoy it. Not take it too seriously and not get too worried about the downs because the downs sometimes can be bad. Luckily, I haven't made too many mistakes. So there's not too much to tell the younger self. <laughs> Well, Kevin, Paul, thank you so much for the conversation. I really enjoyed it and I hope you had a great time as well. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode as well. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, please send them via email to podcast at porsche.de. I'm looking forward to our next episode and I hope you will join me again. Until then, stay safe. And goodbye.